Before we get into the text, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It's the end. It's the very end. It's done. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. They're going to live their lives. They're going to go to work and love their wives and love their husbands and love their kids and pay their bills. And they're just going to live and they're all going to die. And so Paul gave them some letters, some words, how to do it right, how to primarily. Here's their big idea. Primarily, I want you to walk and to live in unity. Stop being such a divider. Stop being such a weirdo. Be nice to the people around you, even if they think differently than you. You, with your eyes on the prize, can love people. Walk in unity, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And then he said, be careful of the crazy stuff around you. Walk in purity, man. The world is getting more and more impure. Do I need to make an argument for that? It's getting crazier and weirder and nastier and eh, and eh, eh, and all that. He says, okay, make sure you stay pure. And then he talks about walking in harmony. He says, you guys have roles and responsibilities as men and women and as employees, employers, and as kids and dads and fathers and mothers and all this. He, he instructs us, and all of that is to be done by being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not your power. Raise your hand if you think you have a bunch of power to pull this off. Like, I got this, man. I got a Starbucks card. And it's like, that ain't going to work. You can't do this apart from the vine. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do no thing, nothing. But through me, my will is that you would produce much fruit. In a very, listen, a very, listen, a very, listen, normal life. Don't, don't be a divider. Just walk in purity. Walk in harmony. And lastly, in this section, walk in victory. Stand in victory. Don't fall down for everything the world throws at you. Instead, God's plan for you is that you would stand up under it, under the pressure. You would stand. You would have a good stance. I'm a wrestling coach. In the elementary, first thing we learned is stance, your stance. And if you're in this stance right here, you're in a good position because you're on the offense and the defense. You're, if you're right here, you're, you're not in a good position. If you're right here, it's a stance. And it's crazy because Paul, in all that he has to offer us, now concludes this final section with the war and he says, I just want you to be armored up to, to just stand. T to not necessarily go demon hunting, to, to go sin sniffing, to, to go on the war path as a Christian. But instead, in a world that has plenty of darkness all around, you don't need to go look for it. You be the light. You live a very normal life. You be you. You be the best you you can possibly be. Better than you've been before. I'm 38 years old. And actually, one of the things that excites me the most about life is that I'm starting to finally, in certain areas, not all, but in certain areas, grow up a little. Okay? Aw, so, thank you. A fan. Uh, but truly, I'm like, oh, I, I almost said this and I didn't. Oh, maturity. Maturity. You know, I almost thought this and I didn't. I almost went through with that and, I, and I'm growing in a very normal way. It's just normal. I'm not walking on water, performing miracles, casting out demons. I will do all those things if God wants me to. But the normalcy, the reality of my everyday life, is where the battle rages. It's where the faith is required. It's where the helmet is put on. It's where the sword is yielded and wielded. It's where life happens. How many of you guys right now are just living your life? Like you're not a superstar, you're not a megastar, you're just kind of like, I'm just trying not to hurt anybody. You know, and even then you're like, oh, I failed. You know? <laughs> I'm just trying to do it. I say that to say this. In this section that now we spent four weeks on, sorry, not sorry, 
spiritual warfare, demons and principalities and powers, shields and swords and belts and breastplates, you know, Middle Earth type stuff. No Lord of the Rings fans, that's okay. You know, warrior stuff. In the, in the contextually, it comes on the heels of the bulk of his instruction towards you and me, which is just to be good dads, good moms, good men, good women, good kids, good bosses. Just, just be just normal. Can you just be normal? And while you're trying to be normal, while you're trying to be normal, the devil's going to see that you're trying to do so for God's glory, and he's going to shoot at you. He's going he's gonna to dart at you. He's going he's gonna to come at you. All these different ranks and systems just to oppress you, to, to distract you, to destroy you. Well, what should we do? Armor up and endure it. Armor up and stand while you're taking shots. Better put that shield up a little higher. You better understand. You better have that sword of the word by your side. You better have that belt of truth on tight. And he gives us the weaponry in order to be normal. I say that again because if you take this text out of context, that is, you remove the text from context, you're just left with a con, right? That's pretty smart stuff right there. I made that up. If you just, if you, just, you know what I'm saying? Just watch the tape. You'll get it. You remove, you, you could take this text, small, it's really not that many verses, okay? Verses 10 through 20, spiritual warfare, out of the whole context of the scriptures. The context of this text is normal living, which excites me, okay? I've tried to be a superstar. I've tried to do crazy stuff. I've tried to be awesome. I've tried to go bigger. And God just said, why don't you just be normal? Why don't you just be the best you? Better than you were last year, okay? Don't be better than your neighbor or better than your friend or better than other people. That's the wrong battle. But you just be the best you. You, Luke, look in the mirror of God's word daily and say, how am I doing? Ooh, ooh. And when you look in a mirror, you, you react just like I do. You're like, oh, no. You, know, you start to fix it. You're like, how'd that happen? Who, uh, you know, and you, you look in God's mirror, it should be that way. You look in his mirror, you're like, all right, oh, I got to adjust that. Oh, I got I to gotta watch out for that. I got I to gotta tune that up. I got to get in there. Why? Because I'm living a normal life. Okay? Maybe you're, you're working a job or paying bills or whatever the case is. The battles that you face are so normal and daily, and yet God would have you to have a spiritual thermometer where you would say, what, what, what just happened? What was that about? Was that possibly a, a satanic attack? No, it couldn't have been. It was too normal. Really? The satanic attack usually is reserved for, you know, when your head spins around, you know, and the green stuff, you know. Let me just use myself as an example. I'll just throw myself as far under the bus as I can right at the beginning here. This morning I was getting ready for, for uh, church, and my kids were doing what they do, the opposite of getting ready for church. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and anyways, I, I went upstairs, and or first what happened is Nemo and Acacia were playing. Nemo's my seven-year-old boy, and Acacia's my five-year-old daughter, and they were playing Legos, and all of a sudden, these Legos became very demonic. And uh, it, it, it was, it was, they were incompatible with one another. And so I, I began to solve the problem from the other side of the room. And when I solved the problem from the other side of the room, I got to use my problem-solving voice. And so I used my problem-solving voice and um, solved the problem. So I went upstairs, and my wife was getting ready too, and she heard me from down the stairs. She said, were you either A, practicing your sermon on the kids, that's all I'll give you that much, or, or, or were you yelling at them? And I said, yeah, I was yelling at them. It wasn't part of my sermon. It is now. 
I, I just, and I just, I just got in the flesh. You ever, anybody, anybody get in the flesh today? <laughs> Liars. <laughs> nope, been easy peasy, you know? Yeah, right. And so I told my wife, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I know. I, I, I just, I got in the flesh. What they were doing was, was their wrong, but I don't, that, their wrong doesn't justify my wrong. And so I'm going to go own it. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to own it with Nemo, my seven-year-old, and own it with my daughter, my acacia, you know. And so I went down there. I said, got their attention. I said, guys, look at me. Look at me. You guys just had a problem. The Legos caused a problem. And I was going to threaten to throw all the Legos in the dumpster, you know. It's a very expensive dumpster, you know. And, 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 I, and I yelled, and I, and I apologized. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have got mad. Do you forgive me? And I apologized to, to both of them. And I'll tell you what. In that very moment of just normalcy, normal, all of a sudden, Satan in my house, Satan in your house, the devil afoot, demons they're everywhere okay what's the problem shooting at you confusing you distracting you destroying you in one way or another whether it's just a thought in your mind that all of a sudden takes you down a spiral of depression and distraction and you find yourself not useful in your whatever or maybe you like me you just use your teaching voice at home <sighs> but wouldn't it be awesome is if you and i took every thought captive okay to the obedience of jesus christ and grew in every single moment of our life. I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many guys just want to bat a thousand every day? Like, I just didn't do anything wrong! Woo! You know, and you're up there swinging in a miss and whiffing and all that, you know. And God says, my grace is sufficient for your needs if you apply it, if you process it. And even this morning, in, in the midst of the battle, helmets on, shields up, truth, I'm ready to go. And I'm getting shot at. And how you process your normal life, when you fall, when you fail, when you flounder, will determine whether or not you understand the very normalcy of this thing called Christianity. It's all spiritual warfare. There's no, like, break to it. There's no stop. It's all wrestling, not against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts and wicked places and, and all these things. That's what it always is. And yet, if you're like me, sometimes I overly normalize or under-spiritualize certain events. And I think at the tail end of this book, Paul says, do this, 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 and this. Oh, yeah, and don't forget, there's devils shooting at you the whole time. Oh, that sounds kind of fun. And, and how many days or weeks have you gone through in your marriage conflict just, he, he just doesn't see it my way. I just, I just can't communicate that to her. I just, and, and you just spent weeks or months or maybe years, and now it's all fraction, and, and you haven't for one minute thought, is this spiritual? Or what if this is spiritual? I wonder if there's a spiritual reality here. I or maybe it's that tough kid, or your kids are growing, and the adolescence is kicked in, and you just want to put them back where they came from, you know, and <laughs> that doesn't work either. And, you know, what do I do? Is it spiritual? It, it is spiritual. And your job is not to go demon hunting and sin sniffing and get all weird, but to find the, the middle ground, the middle ground of spiritual reality and spiritual warfare, that you indeed are a spiritual being having a human experience. That's it. And it's very temporary. One, it will one day end, but everything now matters. And God has equipped you to navigate forward in turning as many lights on as you can. Have you ever tried to illuminate a room? By casting out the darkness. Try this later tonight. Okay, go, to your, go, to, go into a room that is dark and bring a bucket. You're going to need it. And capture as much darkness as you can and throw it out of that room until all the darkness has been cast out. 
You know what I'm saying? Film it. It'll be great. <laughs> YouTube and the cops will show up. It'll be awesome. No. How do you get the darkness out? Turn the light on and the darkness flees. Oh, the light. As a Christian, as a Christian, when the lights go on, when you, just, you walk in the light as he is in the light, when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. The devil flees. It's just so beautiful. It's so normal, though. And I just want you to see this in context. That way you get something practical. So when you use the wrong voice towards your spouse or towards your kids, you can say, oh, pause, time out. I just got shot at. I just got distracted. Almost destroyed, but I can stop now. I'm going to bring this back in now. I'm going to win. I'm going to win right now. Whether you say some stuff, think some stuff, do some stuff. Can you, this was how you walk in victory. I think, and I'm on the wrong impression, that walking in victory means never failing. If I never failed, I wouldn't need armor. Okay, the armor's because I'm about to fall off this bike hard. <laughs> I better be armored up, man, so I can roll around and stand up. Man, whoa. Did y'all see that? I hope so. <sighs> Jesus lived a very normal life, I believe. When he lived on earth, though, he had a very clear purpose to turn the light on to bring the light into the darkness. I, 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 in the context of the teaching on demons and spiritual warfare, look at the life of Jesus. How many times did Jesus rub his hands together and say, let's go crush some skulls of demons. Let's go demon hunting, boys. You know? How many times do you see? Here's what happened. Jesus went around preaching the truth, bringing the light. And occasionally, from time to time, demons would show up in oppression. And when that happened, Jesus was ready, and he would fight those demons back. As a matter of fact, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted by the devil himself, defending himself through the word of God. That is the sword of the spirit. Jesus fought demons, for sure. But that wasn't his primary target. I just need you to get that. It happened, though, but he wasn't your primary target probably, too. I'm just assuming when you get up and go to work at Walmart or GP or Lincoln County School District or the fish plant, when you get up and go to work, it's all... Oh, Demons better watch out, you know? You're probably not saying that. You're probably just trying to be a good you, a better you than before. Watch out for the people who are going to come out to get you and all the traps and tricks of the day. But what if you just understood that it was all spiritual in nature? Jesus, when he showed up to places to bring the light, to walk in harmony, unity, to walk in victory and purity, that's all he did. The same things he's asking us to do, Jesus did. And occasionally... There would be oppression that was understood. Remember that one time Jesus went to the uh, region of Gadara there and he met the demoniac man that had the legion of demons in him? And Jesus cast out those demons and put them into the swine. They, they all flew into the pig and we had deviled ham for the first time ever. And, you know, the <laughs> ham, that's really good stuff right there. You can take that one home. And, they, you know, and that, but that wasn't Jesus' primary goal. That was just incendiary. That was just what happened along the way. And I just know that most of you here, you're going to leave here and you're going to be very normal, normal people. You live in Lincoln County. Like you're just, you're just going to be doing it. But I want you to do it well. With your shield up and your helmet on and your feet shod and your truth belted and your breastplate righteous and just ready to be you. The Apostle Paul is just like Jesus. Everywhere he went, he was on mission to be the best him. Walk in purity, walk in unity, walk in harmony, walk in victory. That's all he did, turning the lights on. Occasionally, he would be attacked by demons. If you read his story, read, read the book of Acts. There's this one particular story in Philippi where this little girl has a demon in her, and she comes and heckles Paul while he's preaching the gospel. For many days, it says he's heckling Paul. It reminds me of a presidential campaign or something like that. This heckler shows up, you know, and, and all. But it says Paul doesn't do anything about it. 
He just stays the course, working normally. Finally, he addresses the situation, gets spiritual warfare, casts the demon out, and ends up going to jail for it and beaten openly. You guys know the story of how the church at Philippi started. My point is, neither Jesus nor Paul, and they're our our real case in point, were were, were demon hunters by nature, but they were spiritual warriors. And I want to leave here today, and I want to encounter my next disappointment and my next fight, okay? Am I, am I premeditating a fight? I, you should. You're in one. It's going to happen. No, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to fight. You know, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I want to go into it equipped so I can do this well, so I can navigate the waters and understand what's really going on here. Verse 12 tells me, I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against demons and principalities and spiritual hosts. Okay. So the next time my wife or my husband or my kids or my employer seems like they're out to get me, you're telling me that that's not where my real battle lies? Wow, well, this could get interesting. This could get, you're telling me that they possibly are even under the direction or the influence of the devil himself, that even as my enemy that I'm fighting would take captives and use them to attack me, but they're not really the enemy? Wow. Matter of fact, it says in the book of Corinthians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, even though we walk in the flesh. Same, same stuff. Even though we walk in the flesh, we don't re- wrestle against flesh. And I just want you and I want me to be victorious, to walk in purity and to walk in unity and walk in harmony and walk in victory, but also to walk armored up. Let's just read the text and then I'm going to pray. He says, finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not, clarifying text right here, wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, man, armor up. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I'm gonna pray and ask you guys to join me in the study of God's word. Father, in Jesus' name now, we've read your word. We're gonna study it and make application. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that as we honor your word, we're here to look at it. We're here to take our cues from it. Lord, that you would just be so pleased that this church, that these guys and gals are saying, what's your word say? We're kind of curious. We're kind of concerned. We want to know. We don't just want to listen to some talking head on the stage. We want to know what your word says. And in that, Lord, I believe you are highly glorified. And so we thank you for your word and pray that it, Lord, would bring instruction for our life and direction. And even here, it would bring correction, Lord, for the one who needs it. That your word, Lord, would bring healing for the one that's desperate, would bring, Lord, that protection for the one that's in the battle right now. And we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name for a more victorious church in the normal things that we're going through right now. That we would see, Lord, it's spiritual and not just physical. That we wouldn't be deceived, Lord, in our marriages or our parenting or our working, wherever we are, Lord, in Jesus' name, may your word bring illumination. We thank you in advance. I pray, Lord, for your anointing and your help to teach and to preach now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, God's word changes everything. And when you read this in context and find out that he's given to us what we need in order to move forward, because he says right here in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. In other words, you won't be able to withstand if you don't take up the armor. If you don't find yourself girded and shielded and helmeted and shot at it and all the stuff that he says to do, you're going to get shot at one way or the other. You realize that. I think that's probably the big disconnect for most Christians. Now that I'm saved, 
Now that I'm sanctified, now that I'm sealed, okay, the battle's over. He's like, no, 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 no. You got to go to the barracks and put your armor on. Now that you're saved and the closer you get to the front lines, it's going to get crazier. And Jesus said this in John 16. It's kind of surprising. He said, in this world, and this is Jesus Christ right before he died, like hours before he died. In this world, you're going to suffer tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. It's like, Say, can we do one of those and not the other? Like, you know, can we just have the, the be of good cheer part and not the, he's like, no, it's, it's gonna, I, I, let me say it again, and I'll say it in a thousand different ways, and this is the fourth time on a Sunday that I've taught the same message in a different way, that we would understand. It's a war zone. It's tough stuff. Yet I'm still saved. I got the helmet on, helmet of salvation. I can't be stopped. God's plans can't be thwarted, but I gotta man up, and I gotta step up to the plate. And he says, I want you to do it in the, in the way you live your normal life. Wouldn't it be fun if every single person here today, and you're not even all from Lincoln County, there's people from all over, but I, but I, but I really care about Lincoln County. What, what if everyone here today and in the county you're from put on your armor and took every thought captive and lived to the glory of God in the midst of your daily grind? And you just began to shine like Paul and like Jesus, just turning on lights everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, what's the darkness going to do? Shoot at you while it flees, okay? As you just bring the truth of God's word into the forefront of the people that you're dealing with and that you're seemingly fighting against. Last week, we talked about the two different camps of spiritual warfare. There's those who ignore it and neglect it and don't even want to talk about it, don't want to think that there's anything spiritual going on and they're not fighting very well and not winning the battle. Then there's other people on the other side of this pendulum of this road with spiritual warfare that instead of neglecting it and ignoring it, they're abusing it and accessing it and they're looking for the demon of this XLR cable. Maybe that's why the music was too loud today. There's a demon in the meat, you know, or whatever, something. They're just looking for, listen. The reality is you're in a battle and God wants us to find that middle ground because there's a temptation in the battle to blame one of two main characters, either the people around me, that's the communion table, I'll get that guy off there, or the God above me. I'm going to blame the people, man, they're just so, I'm going to blame the God, he's just so, and what if the devil is just running around with his number one lie that he doesn't even exist? And you have to find yourself, oh, I, want, I want to be a spiritual warrior. I want to be victorious. I want to be, Lord, able to navigate the waters with the armor on in order that I could stand in a day that is seemingly getting darker and darker. Now, again, I'm with most of you. I, I wish this weren't true, a lot of this. I wish that when I got saved, there was no battles ahead of me. Uh, throughout the scriptures, read the Old Testament. If you haven't gone through the Old Testament, I, you got to. You just read it, love it, get into it, read it. I remember when I first got saved, I would uh, go to coffee houses and I would skate there. I was single at the time, and so I had a lot of time and I would skate there and just buy a cup of tea at the time and I would just sit there and just read First and Second Kings front to back, just the whole story, just the narrative of the scripture scene. And in those books is battle after battle, God's people, after battle, after battle. And all of the Old Testament stories are pictures and shadows of New Testament principles and realities. The battle, the battle, the battle. And when the children of Israel were brought into the promised land, remember that? The land of Canaan. They were promised through Moses, brought in through Joshua into the promised land. He declares in Exodus 23, 20, he says, when you guys go in to the land that is yours, I'm not gonna get rid of the giants that are there. And they're like, say what? 
Now give us the land and get rid of the giants. The giants are bad, evil people that will kill us and hate you. He's like, I know, I know. I'm giving you their land. I'm, I'm taking care of all that. But they're going to stay there for two reasons. If I get them all out all at once, the grounds, the entire land of Canaan, this huge province, will be overrun and overgrown. They're actually needed there to keep things normal. And then as you grow and take a little bit at a time, that's what he says, a little bit at a time, you grow and you mature from battle to battle. And God looks at you and says, you know what you need? You need a little battle. You do. On earth, on earth right now, in this time, to stay, to keep your attention, to keep your growth, to keep those muscles working. And I, again, would be on the committee and vote otherwise. Once I got saved, it gets super easy, right? It's like, no, it's kind of like signing up for a gym, okay? As soon as you sign up for a gym, it gets really hard. You're like, but I did the right thing. I signed up for a gym. It's like, once you sign up for a gym, you begin to hurt and sweat and, depending on your gym, cry, you know, and throw up. There's just also, also different levels. And it's still the right thing. So God says, I love you guys so much. I love you guys so much. I want to give you the armor you need. I want to give you everything you need. So I won't ever get shot at again? No, not at all. So that way, when you get shot at, you'll be able to stand, you'll be able to shine, lights will go on and you'll be my witness in your marriage that is difficult, in your parenting that is difficult, in your life that is difficult, in your health that fails, in your finances that are uncertain, in everything, you're going to stand there with the world watching and you'll be my witness. That's God's plan right now. And yet we find ourselves going all over the place, uh, reacting in different ways. Look at verse 12 again. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And he goes through the list. Now, you need to get this through your mind. We don't wrestle against Legos. Okay? This morning in my house, it was a Lego battle. You know what I'm saying? The Legos almost all got thrown away. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, one another. That's not, what the, that's not the problem. And if right now you're on the fence or on the aggressive or on the attack with a person or people, you're fighting the wrong battles. You're absolutely chasing the wrong decoys, the wrong rabbits. You're barking up the wrong tree. You're swinging at the wrong ball. You're doing totally wrong. Now, your battle is still real. The conflict's still there. But when you understand what's really happening, he says we don't wrestle against people. As a matter of fact, the person next to you is not your problem. The people you work with are not your problem. And I just would love it if you all, if I all, next time you're having a, a problem with your commander, next time you're having a problem with some authority figure, the government or your neighbor, man, they just don't get it. I just would like to give them a piece of my mind. Don't do that. You need all the mind you can get, okay? <laughs> don't give that away. Like, you need that. You know, uh, wouldn't it be funny if you're like, wait, that's not, the Bible says that that's, they're not my battle, okay? That person's not my enemy. This person who works for me and won't, won't, won't listen to me or this person who I work for and won't treat me the way, that's not your problem. It's spiritual. And then you can armor up, handle it, and you can also go to battle understanding that you're at war. I love how he uses the term wrestle instead of like chess or, you know, or we're in business against demons, you know, or something more civil, like, you know, something, some competition. He says, this is wrestling, okay? This is straight up wrestling. If you've ever wrestled in high school or college or at any level, and I did both of those, I went to college and wrestled, wrestling is the toughest sport known to man. Okay? There is no rest in wrestling. There is no give and take. It is kill or be killed. And he says, you're wrestling against the devil. Okay, I got two boys, Noah and Nemo, and I wrestled, and so I, I hope they wrestle. I'm going to let them choose, but uh, right now it's my choice, so they wrestle. 
And, uh, and uh, they're good at it, though. They're good at it. And I remember the first time they ever wrestled at a wrestling practice. I was their coach. And, and, they, and it just, within moments, they're both crying. Okay, tears. Uh, and, and it dawned on me. So, like, clears the bell. I was like, oh, forgot to tell you, wrestling hurts. Okay? Soccer doesn't hurt, you know, and all these ba- basketball doesn't hurt, you know, and they don't hurt. Wrestling, you have somebody who's coming at you and he's going to grab your body, any part he wants, okay? Any part he wants. And I'm going to put you where I want you and I'm going to win. And I, I just, oh, yeah, sorry, boys, this hurts. And did you know the thing about wrestling is if you're losing, it hurts. Even if you're winning, check this out, in your wrestling, if you're pinning somebody, it still hurts. Like, you can win a match, and you've got scars and bruises, and you can't walk, and you're sore. You're like, did you lose? Like, no, I totally won. Duh. <laughs> Doctor. You know, like, I won, you know. Wrestling, I'm so glad he uses. In wrestling, there's so many different levels of wrestling and so many different techniques and moves. Uh, Rick Russell, Coach Rick Russell, is one of the greatest coaches, one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of mankind. He actually uh, threw um, uh, less, not less gutches. Uh, what's the other greatest wrestler? Anyways, it slips in my mind. Dan Gable. He threw Dan Gable in a five-point move onto his back, and then Dan Gable got out of it and mopped the mats with him. But anyways, he's the coach in Toledo High, and I would watch him wrestle, and he would have moves, and then counter moves for that move, and counter moves for that counter move, and a counter move for that counter move, and the strategies and the techniques and the opportunities are so diverse. I'm so glad he used this word, because as we understand, why does it feel like I'm wrestling? Because you are. Why does it feel at some time that I've got the upper hand and at other times I feel fully at a disadvantage because it is a battle? I remember one of the first matches I ever saw Nemo wrestle in, in a real match, singlets and all, headgear. This other little guy, just a little wrestler, new guy, they shook hands, they got to the center, shook hands, and as soon as the ref blew the whistle, the kid took off and ran. You know, and he's like hiding. I'm like, like no, come here, boy. Come here. You got to stay in the circle right here and wrestle your opponent. His name's Nemo. He's a nice kid, you know. So started wrestling. And he was like moving around. He's like, you know, stayed in the circle, but he wouldn't engage. And wrestling, man, it's the greatest sport ever. Anyways, I digress. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And he, he, he gives this list it's important that you know your enemy. Here's a few things about Satan you need to just kind of mark down. Number one, he's created, okay? He's not equal with God. It's not like God and the devil are having this cosmic battle. It's a tug of war. It's arm wrestling. It's just, you know, equal. It's not equal at all. God created the devil. He's created. He's inferior. He is way down there. He is a puppet in God's play. You need to just understand this. I've seen uh, imagery and pictures people have put together of Satan wrestling Jesus over the earth, and they're both like going at it. I'm like, What? That's not it at all. It's not Jesus has a good day. Sometimes in Satan, he's created, he's less than. Not only is he created and less than, he's not equal to God at all. He's fallen, okay? And he fell by choice. He's, he's, in my opinion, he's a loser and a quitter. He's a cheat and a fake and a crook, okay? Just so you know, when you're fighting this guy, know that he's less than God and he quit the team he was on. Okay, he's not to be esteemed in any way. He is a cheat and a liar. Number three, he's an enemy of God, and therefore he's declared war on God's kids. That's the deal. And you might be here today saying, well, I don't know. I'm just going to be great. I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to do my life, and I'm not going to worry about all the spiritual warfare. Perfect. It's exactly what the devil would want. Okay? Because you love God and God loves you. And he's going to seek to take you out. And he's going to seek to minimize your life. And he's going to seek to quench your light and quench your fire. And you should be concerned right now. The number one concern you should have of a spiritual warfare is that your light would stay shining bright. 
Not that you become a superstar, megastar, you know, a book author, a conference speaker, missionary, or a nun, or, you know, something great, you know, something famous for, for God. But if you're on God, if you're, if you're God's kid, Satan is going to seek to squash your light, to, to crush your soul, to, to just minimize your impact, to, to marginalize your faith, to, to distance your position with him. He's declared war on God, and therefore he's attacking you. Number, number four, uh, the devil is, uh, or should I say Satan is one, and there are demons of many. He's not like God, where God is omniscient and omnipresent, okay? He, Satan is isolated. He's located somewhere, and he's got demons that work for him. He's very limited in that way. He's real, and he's real powerful. He's not pretend or made up. We talked about that two or three weeks ago. That one of the big lies that Satan puts out there is that he's not even real. <sighs> So do you ever feel like life's just a big battle? It's because it is a big battle. Every day, it's just a normal battle. And if we would find ourselves being equipped, as it says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and the list goes on, we would find ourselves standing in the midst of opposition. Look at verse 13. Therefore, because these different ranking systems of demons are out to get us, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand on the evil day. I like how it says again, the whole armor, not partial armor, not some armor, not your own armor. He says the armor of God. In other words, God's equipped you to go out and to stand and to be you. Aren't you so glad that God's called you into a battle and then gives you what you need to fight? If it were up to us to protect ourselves and to prepare for ourselves, we wouldn't know what to do. Instead, like a good army provides its soldiers with the attire necessary for battle, God says, hey, there's a battle, so you're going to need all this stuff I'm going to provide for you. Here's the problem, though. Even though it's provided for you, it's up to you and I to put it on. Can you imagine being in like Desert Storm in Iraq or something like that? And, and you go to the front lines and you got your swim trunks on, you know, and your floaties and got your Ray-Bans on and some sunscreen, you know. It's like, it's hot out here, you know. You're like, no, dude, it's, super, it's so hot out here. You better put some armor on. You better put that flapjack, that thing on. You got to get. And if there's even more things, if I were in a real war, I would go to the barracks, you know, where they got the stuff, the, the supplies. I'm like, do you have anything else? You know, what else you got? You got secret stuff? Where's the secret stuff? Whatever you got, I'll put it on so I can be equipped. And God says, hey, there's a battle. So I'm going to give you everything you need. But don't go out there in your jammies, you know. And it seems to me, the temptation in Christianity, at least because of the devil, is to show up to battle in our jammies. Jammy Christianity, you know, just kind of relax and saved by grace, you know, I'm going to heaven. All true statements, all true. I don't want to overly engage or I don't want to look at verse 18 where he says praying always with all prayer and supplication, you know, making requests for the saints with all perseverance. Like, those are some pretty aggressive words, Paul, you know, like, those, it, it's a battle. It's not supposed to be looked at with jammies on. So he gives us these verses. You want to walk in unity? You want to do all this stuff? You got to be ready. You got to be suited up. And he says again that you may, verse 13, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The whole idea is that we would get that stance. And I don't care if it's a principality, if it's power of darkness, if it's ruler of wickedness, if it's a host, whatever, the, it doesn't matter what the demon does or what its rank is. Every single demon, every single distraction, every single temptation is designed to do one thing, to get you off your stance. 
to get you off of being in a proper stance of the truth of God and who God is, just to get you off your stance. As a matter of fact, when you're wrestling, it's the term he uses, when you're wrestling, it's a, it's a fun sport because you can actually pop your other wrestler in the forehead. Just kind of pop him in the forehead. And when he pop in the forehead, his head goes up. Oh, he's off his stance. Now I can take him down. He's exposed his legs, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, Satan wants you and I through whatever way he sees fit just to get us to get off our stance. But yet God has equipped us with his armor. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, he says, having girded your waist with truth. This first piece of the armor, again, there's seven pieces of armor here. The first one that he lists is the, the belt of truth. This is so important in our day and age because have you found that there's a lot of untruth out there? How do we even know what to believe anymore? Can you be honest? I mean, are you for real? You can be in the Supreme Court or in the White House or in any place of authority. And I'm, I'm over here. This is my position. I don't know if I believe you. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't even know if that's true anymore. What was considered true in our country years ago is now not true. They're updating truth all the time with their ideas and opinions. And well, it was true then, but now it's not true. Even if you read history books or science books from the 50s and 60s, well, that was what we thought was true then, but now this is true here. It's like, okay, I don't know if I believe you. And he says, the truth, the truth is what holds it all together. And you and I all know, John 10 Jesus says, abide in my word and my word abide in you and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth, the truth is what keeps your belt on, keeps your whole attire intact and together and without God's truth and the belt. Can I just say this? I'm gonna say it lightly. There is a temptation in Christianity. There's a definite temptation in the world, but there's a temptation in Christianity to take the belt of truth off and set it down for an updated version of truth. See, truth doesn't change. It doesn't evolve. It doesn't mature. It doesn't upgrade. Truth was established. It's, it's done. You and I, we mature. We evolve. We get all, you know, all over the place. We're like, we adapt and think. Listen, the truth, it's like a laser from eternity. It doesn't change. And as culture says, well, we thought that was this, but now in order to appease our self-interest, we're going we're gonna to change the law. We're going to expand the boundaries. We're going to go ahead and forget that. We're going to move truth. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, the truth, the truth navigates you in this, in this craziness. The truth keeps you solid. Don't take the belt of truth off. We talked about this weeks ago too, that truth, in order to stay strong and have your armor on, uh, the opposite of truth is lies. And the two things about lies you need to be aware of, number one, don't tell them, okay? You learned that in Sunday school. You learn it again here. Okay, don't tell lies. That's dumb. That's one way to take your belt off, just walk in, 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 in shadows and shade and just weirdness and hollowness and you, you'll just be, you'll hit, you'll hit yourself. Don't, don't tell lies. Number two, don't believe lies. Did you know that a lie believed, even though untrue, can wreck your whole life? Okay, if I told you you had two weeks left to live, oh, dude, you got two weeks left to live. Sorry. G guess what? It's not true. It's a lie, but it would change everything about you, would it not? Everything would change, and it's not even true. So many lies the devil tries to tell you and tell me. They're not even true, yet they have great impact over your life. Don't believe lies and don't tell lies. He goes on to say that we also have, verse 14, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Ah, imagine the breastplate protects your internal organs, primarily your heart. Is your heart kind of an important thing, kind of a big deal? Like the heart goes, kind of like everything follows, like <laughs> kind of a big deal. So this breastplate of righteousness protects your heart because the heart of every issue is an issue of your heart. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put righteousness over that. Now, here's the deal. Righteousness is twofold. Number one, it's the gift that God gave to you through his son, Jesus Christ. 
When you got saved, did you know that he now declares you righteous? Like, trip out. He looks at you every day and says, righteous. And you're like, you mean, who, me? You know, me. He said, you. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he absorbed your sin and unrighteousness, and he took it to himself and paid for it on the cross and then gave to you, it's the great exchange, gave to you his righteousness and puts on you now this breastplate, this guard of righteousness. God sees you as fully acceptable because of him. And when you know that, this will protect you. Because did you know that your heart still condemns you? Anybody wake up this week and just feel condemned? Ah, darn it. Uh, the Bible says, 1 John, that your heart will condemn you, but God is greater than your heart. The righteous breastplate that he's given to you. And also, 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 not only is it given, it's done deal, you're righteous in Christ. But he says that if you want to guard your heart from heartache, from heart pain, from a, a racing heart, heart palpitations, an enlarged heart, a diseased heart, a spiritually infected heart, a heart problem. He says, walk in righteousness. Do the right stuff. You've all figured this out, right? That when you do the wrong stuff, ooh, heartache, heart pain, sin always leads to heart pain. But when you do righteousness in your own actions, you find yourself protected in ways that are absolutely necessary to move forward. Verse 15, he also says, in having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The feet, the shoes, and you can imagine, what would you wear if you were in a war? What would you wear on your feet? Birkenstocks, flippers, you know, whatever, vans, you know, whatever stylish, I imagine, whatever stylish. <laughs> no, no, if you were in a war, okay, you're in combat, okay, wartime, you're going to have your feet shod with boots, the latest, greatest attire for weaponry, for, for warfare, and he says, your boots, your feet are shod with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel, and the readiness of peace. Did you know that at, at wartime, when men and women are deployed and at, in combat, they, they do indeed wear boots. But when they go to sleep at night, they don't take their boots off. They, because you don't know when the next battle is going to happen. You don't know when. Did you know that war doesn't play nice? Like, okay, the battle's going to start again at 9 a.m. We'll see you guys there. And uh, don't be late. Should be fine. <laughs> So too with spiritual reality. There, there is no off-season and on-season. I've seen this as a pastor. Okay? I'm in the ministry. I, I, I'm in a, involved in a lot of your guys' lives, and I see the warfare. And did you know that the warfare doesn't you know, happen Monday through Friday? It's not like the DMV. Oh, I've got to come back at 530, you know, and we'll, tomorrow, or we're closed, or whatever. They, people's lives don't fall apart on schedule, okay? And you have to be ready, listen, at all times, with the gospel of peace, the good news, the, not good advice, okay? When I do counseling with people, I rarely give them good advice, okay? They don't need good advice. We all know what to do. I just am not able to do it. Then you need good news. Jesus Christ, his kingdom is coming. His blood and grace is sufficient for your needs. His power and purpose over your mistakes will be seen. His abilities on your inabilities mean glory for him. Sit still and wait in the goodness of God. That's the gospel. You need to have the gospel preached to yourself daily and to the people around you. Did you know that this isn't our final resting place, this, this kingdom right here, okay? United States of America, you know, 2017, moving forward. This, isn't, this is all just like preliminary for the reality of the kingdom of God that is coming. That's the great news, okay? That's the good news, God, and that will keep you in perfect peace. He goes on then to say, above all, taking the shield of faith, verse 16, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He gives a lot of uh, words to this particular idea in verse 
that while you're shod with the gospel of, of, of peace on your feet and the truth belt and the breastplate of righteousness, you better have your shield up for what? Fiery darts. And the devil, shooting fiery darts at you. And in olden days, they would take those wooden shields and soak them in water. So when those flaming darts would come down, it would extinguish those darts. And the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren, the devil himself, accuses the people, yes, you and me, day and night. That all the time he was bringing to you accusations about yourself. You're a horrible this and you forgot that. And I can't believe you did this and all these darts. What are you going to do? I would love it if the Lord said, no more shooting, devil. That's mean. But instead he says, hey, Christian, you needed to trust my word over his word. Because those darts oftentimes are very true. The devil rarely brings untruth to me. He just uses the truth. How many of you guys have a past? How many of you guys just lied and made your past a lie? In your rearview mirror, how many of you guys have wreckage? You're like, oh, no, drive faster. You know, ah, don't look back too far. Ah, you know, the devil knows too. And he uses those darts to attack you, to get you down. And you need to have that shield and say, you know what? Be that as it may. I can quench those darts. That, that may be true, but my God is bigger than you, devil. My God is bigger than my sin. My God has saved me from myself and now has equipped me to move forward. Lastly, look at verse seven, this is, or 17, last verse of the day. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the sword of the spirit, which is the word and prayer. This will be our final installment into the book of Ephesians. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You think a helmet would be important in, in, in a war? And this has been my thought recurring for the last couple of years now, this, this idea of being saved. Like, are you, let me just ask, you don't need to raise your hand and be awkward, but are you saved? I mean, if you're, are you saved? If you're saved, like, you can't be stopped. You got the helmet of salvation. A headshot is a pretty big deal. You know, the head, like, the, it's kind of like, ooh, it's up here, the head. So he said, let's just, let's just make sure you're saved. And if you're saved, you're good, no matter what comes at you, no matter what happens. If you are saved, Jesus said this about his father, that that which is in his father's hand, nothing can pluck out, nothing, not even you. If, you're, if you are indeed saved in the father's hand, if you are born again, you can't become unborn again, okay? It's what he did to you, regenerated. You are saved, and if you are saved, you are, you can, and you will be fine, and you'll navigate forward. It is, Martin Luther struggled in, in his life with, justification and, and holiness and faith and, and he would beat himself at night trying to work back into righteousness with God until he finally found that verse in Romans where it says the just shall live by faith oh, what I'm saved I'm saved but I but I just fell down that's why you got a helmet on I just I just took a headshot yep got a helmet on my kids love riding bikes. We have a cul-de-sac, and I just love them riding bikes, too. I buy them bikes. It's, a good, it's good for them. And whenever they ride bikes, I say, put a helmet on. Will the helmet prevent them from wrecking on their bike? <laughs> no. The opposite. The helmet prepares them to wreck on their bike. They're going to wreck. That's why they have a helmet, and God looks at you and says, hey, how about you just have the helmet of salvation? No matter what comes your way, no matter what you do or what you don't do, you're saved. You can get through this. 